The Premier League season may be over, but we still have the FA Cup final, Champions League and Europa League to come. And Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. With the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch games live, with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only. Please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome to You Irons, the West Ham podcast brought to you by the good people at The Athletic. I'm Sam Delaney, joined as always by The Athletic's West Ham correspondent, Rashane Thomas. So that was the season that was um, a, a quite characteristic roller coaster e- emotional journey for us West Ham fans, but you know. That's part and parcel of supporting West Ham. I mean, I can count on one hand a number of seasons I've seen in all my years of going where we've just had a sort of mediocre, steady year. Um, there's always got to be drama along the way. And this year was exactly that kind of a year, wasn't it? I mean, I guess now on today's episode, it's time to reflect what went wrong. Well, we're sport for choice there. What went right? Well, towards the end of the season, thank God, there were some positives to build on. And what we're hoping for for next year, Rashane. I guess it's, you know, a tale of two managers, really. When when did it become apparent to you that Pellegrini wasn't the man for the job? Probably in his first few press conferences where he just kept giving bland answers. Like, you're thinking, oh, it's going to be a tough one here. <laughs> it's going to be a tough one here. I'll probably save a match against um, Oxford United. Where that was just probably the lowest point of the season and the team was just so poor and there was no response to that whatsoever. And my biggest frustration with Pellegrini was like, it was just so stubborn. Like, really would he try new things? Really would he like, you know, integrate young players in the team? Really would he make changes, you know, to like play Antonio up front or, you know, play four nows in the number 10 role? He just kept sticking with the same team and he wasn't having much success. So, yeah, and as you mentioned, you know, tell on the two managers, the bad under Pellegrini and the good under Moyes. And, you know, we're touching it, but the team made great progress under Moyes. And, again, under Pellegrini, the style of football was a bit bland. With Moyes, we've seen, you know, that free-flowing attacking football that he wants to try and implement. And, yeah, it's been it's been positive, really. People will say, if you look at the difference between their points tallies, I think it's one point difference. <laughs> yeah. they, both had, they both had 19 games. I think Moyes got 20 points. Pellegrini got 19. Um, so there are those out there who aren't happy with the idea of Moyes now staying as our permanent manager. And they point to that statistic as saying, well, there, there were, really wasn't that much improvement. Plus, we had a squad that, um, you know, is, is shouldn't be difficult to keep in the Premier League. There are those saying, you know, we shouldn't be celebrating because with the money spent on this squad, you know, there's a set of players who should have comfortably been mid-table anyway. What, what do you think about that? I get that. And obviously on paper, outside of the top six, you know, West Ham have could be the likes of Leicester, probably Tottenham to an extent, because 
on paper a talented squad, but it's just been the wrong personnel. You know, a lot of money was spent on smashing her, and it's well documented that he struggled in his first year. For now, struggled to a degree, and then you've got key players like Anderson who have regressed. You know, Lanzini was bought five seasons ago, but he's regressed as well. So you've got a lot of like attacking players who have contributed very little, and then like you know, tools. When we played against Tottenham and I was getting frustrated in the fact that Moyes were bringing on the same players who were having no impact. Again, it comes down to, you know, signing a lot of players, but very little impact we were having on the team. You can try out The Athletic for free for 30 days to enjoy all of Rashane's writing on West Ham, including recent articles on how Jared Bowen became the club's most important creative player and a piece with the very latest on the future of Declan Rice. It's the best place to read football online with no clickbait, and the best football journalists anywhere. Just go to theathletic.com slash West Ham pod and sign up for a 30-day free trial. The other thing that's worth bearing in mind is Roberto. We couldn't have foreseen the fact that we would have to call on him for so many games so early in the season, or that a player with, let's be fair, a decent amount of experience at decent-sized clubs in Spain would be quite so disastrous. Some people say, well... You know, if it hadn't been for Fabianski's injury, Roberto effectively lost us, let's say, 10 points, right? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, he did. I mean, it's, it's not a joke. It's almost, I think the memory of how poor he was in that series of games um, in the winter, in building up to Christmas, it, it's almost like so painful that we put out. You know, people say that like women, if they could have a complete uh, accurate memory of just how painful childbirth is they would never have more than one child but something in the body um st- or the mind almost like cancels out the memory of how horrific childbirth was in order to you know uh, allow you to make the decision to have a second baby i've often thought about that when about supporting west ham you know when you renew your season ticket it's the same thing you know you somehow your brain's played a trick on you and made you forget how painful the experience was the year before and and you start all over again with high hopes however with Roberto I really think that we may have cancelled that like just how bad that series of games was I mean yeah he was throwing them into the net Rashane now if you took him out that I would say that we could have ended up with 10 more points and been I don't know where that would have left off what position I don't have the table in front of me but comfortably a mid-table team you know pushing pushing for Europa League. So, you know, I suppose Pellegrini can't complain because he was responsible for buying Roberto, right? He couldn't have possibly predicted that Roberto would have such a crisis. I mean, that he was literally worse than an amateur goalkeeper. But, you know, that that's the other key thing. Would, would, would Pellegrini still be here now? And would we have had a, a nice mid-table finish had it not been for Fabianski going off injured against, I think it was against Bournemouth? Yeah, Bournemouth, that's when he suffered the uh, fire injury. I would say the answer to that would have been probably yes, because I feel like without we're playing well, but I mean, if you look beneath it, it was pretty much Fabianski keeping us in games because he was saving save a number of shots and we're looking good keeping clean sheets. But I'll say the earlier start was like Fabianski being in top form. And then as you mentioned, when he got injured and Roberto replaced him and oh, like... You know, I was having a very good start to my day and now I have to have flashbacks of Roberto and his poor performances. And the, the match in which, you know, he channeled in his inner goalkeeping skills, I mean, not goalkeeping skills, boxing skills, I should say, was uh, Burnley where he punched it into his own net. And I, 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 I can never forget that game. Never forget that game. It's just, oh, crazy. And 
coming back to my earlier point with Pellegrini being stubborn, everyone could see like it wasn't going to Roberto. Like he was not the guy to have in goal. But again, Pellegrini kept playing him, kept playing him, and it wasn't until the Chelsea match where he gave David Martin the chance, and then the rest is history because he kept a clean sheet, and then that was a magic moment where he embraced with Alvin Martin after the game. Yeah, it was a, one of the highlights of the season. In fact, both Chelsea games always games that I look forward to. And we won them both. We did the double over Chelsea and both games, very emotional, dramatic um, performances. Um, and I'd say those were probably the two highlights of the season for me. But, I mean, Pellegrini went, you're right, he was an uninspirational figure. I think it's really hard to get away from the thought that Pellegrini had turned up for the money and was coasting. Um, I, I didn't want to believe that. But now on reflection, I think that he was coasting the way that, like you say, he carried himself in, in press conferences. He didn't seem to have much passion for being at West Ham. And, that, you know, you've got to look at the board for that because, you know, it sh they should have been able to see this bloke who'd, who'd sort of managed Real Madrid, won the league with City and effectively taken semi-retirement in China. Why was he going to be motivated to come and manage West Ham? Why? you know, with the money that he was being paid in China and the success he had already had elsewhere in Europe. You know, you look at it and you think David Sullivan is easily seduced by glamour, by superficial glamour. It's why the money that, he, you know, whenever he has splashed out for players, it, he's, he's like to go for the likes of Haller and Felipe Anderson, uh, players who haven't worked out, but who seemed like, a, you know, a sort of a glamorous signing from a big European club. He's never really invested much money on, for instance, the fact that we've never really fixed our left-back or right-back positions. Everyone knows, full-back, least glamorous position in football, right? So he's not interested in that. And it, it was the same in the manager. You know, he's like, oh, where, Manuel Pellegrini, I've heard of him. He was at Real Madrid. <laughs> he won the league. Yeah, we'll have a bit of that, you know. And it, and it didn't work. Um, and so that's just another... Another reason to sort of doubt the professionalism or strategic know-how of our of our club's owners, I suppose. I mean, no one was particularly excited by Moyes, and I would say if you were to if you were to take Twitter as your sort of um, focus group, I'd say the majority of West Ham fans are, are you know don't want Moyes to stick around. I don't know if that's a fair reflection because, of course, Twitter is a cesspit of um, cynicism and negativity. So it's never the best place to to judge the sort of uh, overall feelings amongst fans. I think there's this idea that there was that phrase used when we left Upton Park by the owners that they were going to take us to the next level. And people got carried away with that idea. It was, it was sort of a vague idea that was never really explained. Um, but as a result of that, I feel that there's some West Ham fans who sort of feel entitled to be in the Champions League by now. But the reality is you can't just do that overnight unless perhaps you are Roman Abramovich willing to put in billions of pounds of your own money to the club, right? And when people talk about next level, well, we tried that with Pellegrini and it didn't work because he wasn't motivated because he wasn't excited to be at West Ham and he'd already proved everything he had to prove in his career. So he wasn't driven. Um, I think, you know, that's the reason why people think that it's almost like West Ham fans have become slightly deluded about who we are, where we should be and what we can realistic, realistically aspire to. You know, it's nice to be ambitious, but not absurdly so, because then you just become embarrassing. You just become a club who, you know, the other fans are laughing at because 
we're a club who've been, let's be honest, a yo-yo club for the last few decades, you know, have never run any silverware since 1980, right? And uh, and yet we swagger about the place expecting us to be going and oh, why isn't Ancelotti our manager? You know, why isn't Allegri our manager? Why aren't we trying to sign, you know, the biggest superstars I in Europe? And I just think, you know, what world are you living in? Yeah, we moved to a new stadium. We moved to a new stadium. But, you know, wh why does that suddenly entitle us to be competing with the likes of Liverpool, Manchester City? I don't I don't get it. Yeah, absolutely spot on. And I feel like next two to three years, or perhaps even four years, like West Ham should target a few top 10 finishes and to also take cups serious. That should be a realistic target for West Ham. And I feel like it's something they can achieve. Obviously, for this season, we saw getting locked out at Oxford, losing against West Brom, and it's like, here we go again. So I feel like that should be, you know, something West Ham should target when moving forward. And I feel like Moyes, is, I mentioned this previous podcast, I feel like Moyes is the right guy for the short term for West Ham. I mean, as you mentioned, the, the, the view was to take West Ham to the next level on the Pellegrini, and it didn't work. And what's impressed me most about Moyes, especially after lockdown, is giving young players a chance you know, we couldn't score. We didn't even have like a clinical goal scorer. I mean, he played Antonio up front and that's worked out well. When Moyes returned back, he was playing quite a few formations to see, you know, I get the best out of the team. And he's finally settled with 4-2-3-1. And we've seen Rice and Suchek play so well in midfield. You know, Mark Noble playing great as a number 10. Bowen doing great on the right wing. So now you can say West Ham have an identity moving forward. And these, these are some things we don't really have under Pellegrini. So definitely positive to take. And yeah, again, Moyes, Moyes is the right guy moving forward for West Ham, in my opinion. I think that you can only really judge a manager on on the evidence you've got in front of you. So, you know, you can talk about David Moyes and, you know, people will say, oh, well, he failed at Sunderland or he failed at Man U or any of those things, right? And, and a lot of stuff's open to debate. Like, for instance, his performance at Manchester United now that you have it in, in the context of people like Mourinho and Van Gaal failing. Um, it doesn't look quite as bad. Sunderland was a, a club that was just, you know, a, a disaster zone for anyone who went and managed it. Um, yeah, but put all of that aside. Forget about his past. Look at what he has done. He came in once and took over from Billich when, again, we were on our ass, completely on our ass. When he took over, I think we'd just been battered by Liverpool. And I thought, we're going down. This team said in only one way, and that's down. And he dragged us out of it. Um, that's the other thing, is when you look at Pellegrini and Moyes and you go, well, they both got a similar amount of points. Yeah, but the difference is Pellegrini started the season with players that he had signed at great expense, right, and had a good standing start. Moyes had to take over a team whose confidence was rock bottom, right, who were falling to pieces, who didn't seem to be communicating with each other. There was just a bad, toxic atmosphere. So he took over. Pellegrini had everything going for him at the beginning of his 19 games in charge. Moyes had nothing going for him at the beginning of his 19 games in charge. And yet he still turned it round. Very similar story to what he did when he took over from Billich. We've talked before about the way in which he first revitalised and reinvented um, Anatovic. And now he's done the same with Antonio I mean the signs of his, of his coaching ability are really vivid and self-evident and so you can talk about the fact that oh well he hasn't he hasn't managed a big glamorous club before you know or other silly things that people will talk about in being Scottish or playing negative football which by the way there's no evidence for as you've said repeatedly we you know we're playing the most attacking football we had done in years 
I just sort of think, I can't understand what it is that people want. I can't believe what club they've been following because I've been going down there since the early 80s and, uh, you know, I've never seen much to make me think that we should be aspiring. I'm not saying, oh, we should only aspire to be fighting relegation every year. But realistically, I think that we should look at clubs, I suppose, of the likes of Leicester and Everton as the level that we can in terms of our history and our size that we should be kind of aspiring to emulate at the moment. And once you've got to that level and you've done it consistently over a number of seasons, then you start looking ahead. You don't jump from being relegation fodder to Champions League fodder overnight. You look to, it's just not how football works. You look to sort of consolidate as a mid-table team for a couple of years and then you start looking at a Europa League place and then maybe you start looking one day at Champions League place. That's exactly what Moyes did over a 10-year period at Everton. And that's the only realistic way of doing it, no matter who you are. You know, any fans who thought the next level was going to come within two seasons of us moving to the London Stadium <laughs> is, is silly. People have doubts over, like, Moyes' coaching ability. Just look at the way Declan Rice has improved, like, since he's been in charge. He was playing relatively well on the Pellegrini, but... I mean, Rice is taking his game to the next level on the Moyes. He's playing like a leader every week. He leads by example. He's been great on the defensive end. He's been great on the attacking end as well because there's quite a few times Declan Rice attempts these outrageous long shots. And, yeah. then, it, and then it went in against Watford. Practice Absolutely. Perfect. And, saying and I think he's going to score more next year, whether yeah. he's at us or, or elsewhere. And we'll get oh, onto oh, that. He, he, will, he will be with us. He definitely, yeah, let's be positive. Okay. He definitely well, we'll, will be with we'll us. We'll get onto that. But if he's with us, uh, or you know, I think that he'll, he'll, you know, he got one this season, but I think it was so good. It was probably, we'll give it, we'll say it was five. Um, but I think, you know, next year, yeah, obviously Moyes likes to give him a bit more freedom to roam forward as well. And I think that we'll see him become the sort of midfielder who could get up to 10 goals a season, I reckon. The way he's improved players, the way that players have improved under him is, you know, you just can't argue with it. Now, it doesn't mean, we, you know, I've been excited about lots of different managers before. Listen, I even remember, this is a good story, this is a tangent. I was thinking the other day, there's always a point in any West Ham manager's career where you briefly, off the back of some successful results, convince yourself that he's a brilliant manager and a footballing genius. And I and I know this to be true because I even had a fleeting moment where I thought that about Avram Grant. And it were, the year was 2010 and I was at an Elton John concert at the Roundhouse in London. And I was working for a magazine, which meant that I'd blagged my way into the VIP area. And who should be sitting two rows in front of me on his own at an Elton John concert, but Avram Grant, who at the time was West Ham manager. And I think it was in the days when I still drank and I'd had a couple of beers. So I had the confidence to step over a couple of seats, plonk myself down next to him and probably ruin his night, to be honest, by babbling all the way through Elton's greatest hits about... What a great job I thought he was doing. And I think we just won won a couple of games recently. It was before everything turned to utter shit, right? So it must have been around the autumn. And uh, I go, oh, you've got them playing so well. And I remember ranting and raving about players who he'd signed, who I can't even remember the names of now. So it just goes to show, you know, we can all be wrong. And managers' stock goes up and down constantly. And it might be that come autumn, you and I are sitting here and we're going, oh, why did we bat Moyes? It's a nightmare. But you can only make a decision on 
what's happening now. And, you know, if they were to get shot on wise, which I don't suppose there's any chance of them doing, it would be a travesty. I mean, a bloke to come in, right to your rescue, not once, but twice, and get you out of the shit. If you then, if you then sort of, you know, give him the boot, then, I mean, you just become a laughing stock. I don't think any manager worth their salt would ever want to come and work for these owners again. 100%. And, I mean, you you meeting uh, Avon Grant at an Elton John concert, yeah. to quote a great song, that sounds like a sad, sad situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that's why they call it the blues, mate. Um, et cetera, et cetera. But, yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was a memorable moment. But one I look back on and just think, yeah, Everyone has their five minutes where they look like a footballing genius. That was his. I remember once after Glenn Roder guided us to seventh place in his first season in charge, and I wanted to get a Glenn Roder is a footballing genius t-shirt made up. I really did. Um, and then look how that turned out. So you never know. But Moyes has got experience as well. That's the other thing. So, you, you know, he's not like an untried person, a bit like Roder was, where you just sort of think, well, you know, we'll see how it goes. You know Moyes has got experience and I can't see us. I don't know. I don't want to speak too soon. I don't think that next season is going to be as tough as this one if they leave Moyes in charge and give him a chance to shape his own team over the summer. This podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the expert in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And Manscaped has just launched in the UK. We've gone years without using the right tools for the job. So you can be one of the first men in the country to experience Manscaped's life-changing products. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents. And the water-resistant technology also allows you to groom whilst in the shower. And we've got a special offer right now for all you listening to this podcast. Get 20% off and free shipping by using the code EPL20 at manscaped.com that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using the code EPL20 happy shaving okay so the transfer window is now officially open Uh, it's been suggested that David Moyes has not got any money to spend unless he raises it by selling players and the players that we're looking at buying mostly um, seem to be hot young, talented strikers and, and players from the Championship. Rashane, what can you tell me? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, Moyes has always mentioned that he wants to sign young players who want to, like, you know, improve, who have resale value, perhaps future interna- future internationals. And you know, we, can, we can see that with Jared Bowen and the great start he's had at West Ham. Yeah. So we've been heavy linked to the likes of Ryan Manning, a fullback at QPR, a Z, a pl- uh, number 10 playmaker at QPR, and, you know, Ollie Watkins, another young, bright, uh, up-and-coming players in the Championship. And, obviously, we at the UIs podcast, we understand that neither West Ham or Crystal Palace have made a bid for a Z. We're also led to believe that the 20 million valuation of the player is a tad bit unrealistic. It's more so 12 to 50 million. That is that QPR, right? Yeah, that wow. QPR are trying to get for him. So, and again, it's, it's, this is a point you mentioned on previous podcasts, Simon, that, you know, we don't want this to be another case where, like, we missed out on uh, James Madison and then mm. sort of, like, deja vu again and missing out on Aziz. With yeah. it not being, like, 20 million about keeping us trying to Trey get. And Traore, we yeah, missed out on 100%. him, didn't we? Traore as well. So um, West Ham should get that to Not to get that to go, but West Ham should uh, be quick in trying to sign is it, is, it, is it a priority? Do you know what our priorities are? Because, you know, I've also heard that Moyes 
is looking at our defence. He thinks we ship too many goals. There's even some rumours that we might be looking at, uh, at a goalkeeper because Fabianski wasn't quite the same Fabianski when he came back from injury last year. Uh, and and that he wants to, if he does get any money, he wants to spend it on defenders before attackers. Do you know what the priorities are? Well, just from like being a fan and watching the club over the past year, I, I personally believe the priority should be like left back. I thought like West Ham desperately in the left back. It would it wouldn't be wrong for me to say that defense will be a priority for West Ham this summer because, you know, we need to provide competition for it's a Diop and Bonner. You know, I don't feel like Barbrain is the best third option. So to someone to just make them know that listen, you're not sure to play week in week out, but there will be competition. So I feel like that. In terms of right back, we've been linked to Matty Cash, but I feel like with the emergence of Ben Johnson, perhaps we could explore that and look elsewhere. And. I spoke to a source last night at Stoke because of West Ham previously been linked to a move for Jack Butland. There's been no contact whatsoever, but again, their valuation of the player has gone down. They are once for our 20 million, that's not the case anymore. And I like Fabianski, I feel like he's been a great player for West Ham, but this season we have seen signs that perhaps he's starting to decline a little bit. I mean, he did make a few mistakes. And again, if you look at it, we have two championship goalkeepers in the case of uh, Martin and Randolph and I mean on their day they're good but they're not really going to provide competition for Fabian. No, they're they? not proper competition. I mean, yeah, you're right. I think that it's always unwise to stick with a keeper for too long. Um, and I, I always think you should spot when they're about to approach a proper decline and be ruthless then. I mean, we've seen that with De Gea at United. You know, um, for a long period, he was the best goalkeeper in the Premier League. Um, he started to show signs of being a bit wobbly. Uh, but there's almost like a sense of loyalty to goalkeepers. Like Solskjaer's looked at him and thought, well, no, he's done so much for the club. We've, we've got to let him get through this this little dodgy period. But then it was too late. He, he probably cost them a number of points that would have, you know, made, I mean, they got in the Champions League anyway, but would have made that process a lot easier. And I think, you know, Fabianski was fantastic in his first season. But, you know, I just think, you know, if someone like Buckland is available, then we should look at it because goalkeeper is such an important position. And and if you're starting to get the sense that, that Fabianski could be worth, even if it's just three or four errors a season, that could cost you nine or 12 points a season. As a, uh, would you say that he seems to be our number one attacking target at the moment? Yeah, definitely number one attacking target for West Ham. Again, it fits the mould, the sort of player West Ham trying to bring in, a young, exciting player who has a resale value, who will slot comfortably into that number 10 role. Advantage to excited to think about his season in a West Ham shirt playing number 10. I think 12, 12, 15 million sounds like a steal to me. I think he's he's topped so many. I mean, for QPR, he was their number one dribbler, scorer, shooter, passer in every single area, perhaps other than goalkeeper, this bloke was their number one player. He, he, he featured very highly in all those stats of the championship overall as well. I, like most people, have only seen him on YouTube and bits and bobs on, on TV. Um, but, I mean, he, he looks an incredibly exciting player. And like I said last week, my brother's a QPR season ticket holder and says he's the best player they've had at the club since um, Tarat. And Tarat is someone that they speak about in hushed tones at Loftus Road. They think he's like a, a they, 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 I think they think he's like Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo rolled into one. So it's a really exciting prospect. And for twelve to fifteen million quid, you sort of think, wow. I mean, that is a, that's absurdly cheap. I mean, I hope we're not getting carried away 
But um, all the sources that are available to us suggest that th- this lad's the real deal. 100% the real deal. Hence why West Ham should just be as quick as possible and not miss out on like previously with James Madison because Aziz is 22 so, and he's this good already. And the thing is, right, if you look about, if you look at it, in terms of West Ham previously signing players for the Championship, they've not really let us down. Aaron Cresswell was great. Uh, Antonio... Bowen's been great. So we sort of like have a proven track record in signing players from the championship. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, now, I know your source on this particular story is very solid. Um, so tell me this. Do you know about the situation with Palace? Because there are stories going around that Palace are our main rivals for the for his signature and they have had an offer in. Well, yeah, it's true in a sense that Palace are our main rivals. I mean, David Austin also wrote in his column uh, uh, on Monday that Palace are the front runners as well as West Ham but what I can definitely confirm is that there hasn't been a bid from uh, Crystal Palace so right. contrary to reports they haven't offered 20 million for Aziz right okay well that's interesting so we got so no one's made an offer as far as we know so it's about a game of nerves is, how, how much truth is there as far as you know in um, the story that Moyes can only make offers or spend money once he's shifted some players out is there is, does he literally start with a balance of zero there's money, but perhaps it's just a case where the clubs are being sensible with, uh, obviously due to what happened with uh, you know, COVID-19 and it affecting other club, a lot of clubs financially. So yeah. I'm not going to say like, oh, West Ham have to sell before they can buy. There's money there. But it's just a case of just being smart and not mm. going over budget, especially with signing a Suchak for 19 million. So that's pretty much just behind it. So a jetty uh, we, we hear is on his way to Celtic on a loan. So that's someone off the wage bill at least. And um, and and do you know if there's any sort of firm interest in the other players we know are up for sale? And uh, who I suppose are Anderson, Lanzini, possibly Yarmolenko. I mean, I, I guess Wilshire is theoretically up for sale, but who's gonna who's gonna take yeah. a punt on Wilshire? So far, no news on like in terms of fringe players leaving. Another another name to mention to that is also Arthur Masuaku, who I believe the club should sell. Uh, pertaining to Jack Wilshire, again, I spoke to a source yesterday. And they're of the opinion that Jack Wilshere will still be part of uh, the West Ham team next season. But just looking into that, I do believe Jack would benefit from a move, uh, like as in leaving the club, because he barely featured for West Ham this season. And in terms of West Ham looking to bring in younger, slighting players, that could, again, restrict uh, Wilshere's playing time. So, I mean, America's been a possible mention for Jack so perhaps that could be an area that could be explored. Well, I mean, it, it seems like his only option because he's on big wage at West Ham. I believe he's one of the top paid players at the club, right? And he he knows that he rarely stays free of injuries for more than a month at a time. So, you know, you just, if you're him, there's no point moving because no one's going to pay him as much yeah. as what he's getting paid at West Ham. Unless he does go to America where the sort of prestige of having an ex-England international in the side, in in a club, would perhaps encourage him to to match the wages, but that that's the only way out I can see yeah. for him until his contract runs down. And in the event he does leave, there's there's been uh, rumours that perhaps looking at Matty Longstuff, uh, that's right, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, <laughs> the midfielder yeah. from Newcastle so, United. So, so is he the one that when we played? Is there two Longstaffs, right? Yes, I think there's Sean Long, Longstaff and Matty Longstaff. And then there's the one that they rate, like uh, who when we played them last season, it was. Some of the Newcastle fans were trying to bill it as like Longstaff versus Rice, who's the best, which is yeah. a laughable notion <laughs> to me. Um, 
But there is one of the Longstaffs, and is Matty Longstaff the one who who is rated as being, you know, up there as one of the best young England midfielders? Yeah, Matty Longstaff was actually linked to a move to Man United, in fact. Right. It was last summer, and some crazy figures were being quoted. But with Matty, his contract's, uh, well, his contract expired, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. So, How have they let yeah. that happen? I know, I know, I know. There's quite quite a few good free, free agents available. I mean, another player that's uh, uh, what has been linked to West Ham is Ryan Fraser. But it seems like yeah. Palace are the front runners for Ryan Fraser. So there's a lot of you know free agents that West Ham could tap into and, and you know save a lot of money on as well. Well, will we have a gap in midfield? That's that's the big question that is going to run and run this summer. I'm sure is the, the the stuff surrounding Declan Rice's future. Declan for me has got to be the the hammer of the season this year. Uh, you know, Ogbonna had a great year. Antonio had a great year, particularly after lockdown. There's a few contenders, but Declan Rice played every single minute of our season, which for a player of his age, he's 21 years old, is absolutely remarkable, isn't it? It really is. And actually, he was named Ham of the Year uh, before Vaston Villa game. So, yeah, he won the award ahead of Obama. And it's well-deserved. As I mentioned earlier, he's just... He's just improved so much under Moyes. And you only have to remember when he scored against Watford and ran to the touchline and gave uh, an embrace with uh, yeah, Moyes. I wasn't seeing anyone hugging Pellegrini on the touchline. <laughs> so, so that's really good. My only thing with, with Declan is I believe he should stay at West Ham for at least another two seasons. He's 21 mm. right now. He's playing week in, week out. Arguably our best player. Like, There's no rush for him to move to a club at Chelsea. And my colleague Simon Johnson wrote a piece about they view him as a centre-back. And mm. I think that's a waste. Complete waste. Oh, Declan can play there, but I personally believe he's one of the best holding midfielders in the country. Like, he's so good. I think Declan Rice as a centre-back could possibly be the best English centre-back in the Premier League, right? I think he's almost there already when you see him play at centre-back. I think he's every bit as good as Harry Maguire, in my opinion. His distribution's better, but it would be a waste because he would also be the best central midfielder in the Premier League. I think... He's known and regarded at the moment as a great defensive midfielder. But I think oh, since lockdown, Moyes has sort of allowed him a little bit more freedom, perhaps because he's got the support of Suchek and all the running that Suchek does next to him. Um, and we've seen him go forward, spray balls around, run with the ball. This bloke can can do everything. I mean, he is well, he's the most remarkable player I've seen come through at West Ham probably since Rio Ferdinand. But the difference between him and Rio Ferdinand is that Rio Ferdinand, quite famously, when he first came into the team, was given to making errors um, because he was so comfortable on the ball and so technically gifted for a defender. There were a few quite high-profile moments in his early career at West Ham where he cost us a goal by attempting a Cruyff turn on the edge of the six-yard box, right? Which was one of the things I loved about him as it happened, the fact that he'd tried that shit. But it took him a while. With Rice, you do not see him make errors like that. I think, you know, very early in his career, perhaps when Billich was manager, I think there was a high-profile mistake against Newcastle and Billich pulled him off um, at half-time, which was probably the wrong thing to do for his confidence. But since then, this bloke is solid as a rock. You watch him play and he gives you confidence. Like uh, when he's in the team, always asking for the ball, always looking for it you know he's never going to give it away, right? And you know he's always going to win it back when you're in, in, in trouble. 
I don't know who to compare him to. Some people said, you know, that he, he's sort of almost becoming more like Steven Gerrard, who, who started out as a defensive midfielder, but then became an all-rounder. He reminds me a bit of Brian Robson. You're too young to have seen Brian Robson, Rashane, in his prime, but you'll have heard stories. I mean, he, he, he's got that about him. It's such a leader, a player who's absolutely everywhere, can do a bit of everything, inspirational bloke. I hope I'm not talking him up to potential suitors, but I think if we can keep hold of him for a year or two, then, you know, Moyes can build a team around him and we could really see a lot of improvement in our fortunes. But, you know, the big, the big problem, I, I see there's been two big problems just keeping hold of him. One, as I understand it, we are not offering him a pay rise anytime soon. So he sat there thinking, I could, if Chelsea come in for me, be playing Champions League football on double, at least double the wages as I'm on now, possibly triple. Um, and, and, and West Ham, they might want to give me the captaincy, which I believe they've offered him for next season. But they're not even giving me a little pay rise. He might not even want as it might not even be a, a case of us matching what Chelsea are offering. It might just be a gesture to show how keen we are to keep him. So I'm told that that's not been forthcoming. And the second thing, of course, which is a big deal, is that he's a Chelsea fan. He's born and bred Chelsea fan. Frank Lampard's his hero. Mason Mount's his best mate. I mean, put yourself in his shoes. It's a hard one to resist, isn't it? I actually don't think so. <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think it's a hard one to resist. I mean, if if I if I'm if I'm an advisor, right? I'm I'm telling him, forget about the money right now. You're 21, barring injuries, you have at least another 14 years like playing at elite level. The money will come. You'll get sponsorship deals. You'll get good wages for the time being. Just focus on being a great player for West Ham, which he is. And he's got the best manager right now. I can't remember what game it was, but Moyes, uh, not Moyes, uh, Rice said in an interview that. Moyes actually grilled him <laughs> during the game. Absolutely grilled him. And again, he's got the perfect manager to play under. And we've seen previously with the likes of, you know, Joe Cole leaving for Chelsea, uh, Frank Lampard, Glenn Johnson. And I'd say what's the difference between that and now is West Ham are in a strong position financially. So we're under no pressure to sell. If we had gone down, then Rice would have been the first player to leave, in my opinion. But that's not the case. So, and, and as well as that, Rice on the contract until 2020, uh, 2024. And West Ham have a one-year option as well. So right now, West Ham have no pressure to sell Rice. And he's at the best club. And furthermore, he was released by Chelsea at 14, as which has been well documented. Yeah, I know. So, I'd, I'd be, if I was him, yeah. I'd be a bit bitter about yeah. that. I'll be looking at him thinking, like, they want me back, but they want to play me, they want to play me in a, as a centre-back. So yeah. if I'm Rice, I'm thinking, you know what? I'm just going to become the best player I can for West Ham and yeah. hopefully become a future captain and keep doing well. Yeah, and when he does move, maybe he won't. He won't have to end up over there at Stamford Bridge, which, let's be honest, is a much, uh, you know, I mean, he, he won't ever play in front of fans like West Ham fans again. Certainly not at bloody Chelsea, where it's like 30,000 prawn sandwich <laughs> tourists, right? Uh, he, what he wants to do is put in another few years for us and then get a big move to Barcelona or Real Madrid. 100%. And that should, that should be his mindset right now. As I mentioned, there's yeah. no rush. You're 21. You're in international. Yeah, you're England international. Like everything's going well for you, and it's not. All, I spoke to Tony Carr recently. I mean, the legend, former academy yeah. director at West Ham, and he was of the opinion like if Declan Rice moves to a big club, a talent, a talented as he is, it's not guaranteed he's going to play week in week out. I think that's true. I think it, it, at Chelsea, if you look at him going Chelsea, Man City, I think funny enough, I think the club that could probably do with him most 
would be Manchester United, who are supposed to be the other main contender or the other main interested party. And and you'd think that he'd probably favour Chelsea for the reasons we've discussed. But United, I think he'd have a better chance of sitting in there in midfield next to Pogba and Fernandez and, and doing all right. But anyway, listen, I love your spirit and your um, positivity about this. You've changed my mind about it a little bit because... Yesterday, I was thinking about it. I spent a little time thinking about it, some alone time that I sectioned out in my diary to just reflect on Declan Rice's future. And uh, I was feeling a bit I was feeling a bit negative about it because I was thinking, God almighty. Then I started thinking, if we sold him, how on earth can you replace him? Who is there out there? You know, um, and I yeah, just thinking about the partnership that, he'd, that we'd seen a, just a glimpse of over the last few weeks with Thomas Suchek and how much potential that's got. It's really exciting. Harry's Sponsors You Irons, a podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Harry's was founded by Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys who are sick and tired of overpriced razors. And now by taking less profit, Harry's offers great quality products for a fair price. Their amazing quality blades are now almost half the price of the leading five blade brand. Harry's trial set Includes everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. As a listener, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95. Support our podcast and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, foaming shave gel and travel blade cover by going to harrys.com slash uirons right now. That's harrys.com slash uirons. Let's talk about next season then. Let's let's start on the basis that we're going to keep Declan Rice. We know we've signed Suchek and it feels like we're probably going to sign at least another couple of players. Um, it doesn't feel, if we keep Rice, it doesn't actually feel like we need... It's a weird thing to say because we almost got relegated. But because of Suchek and Bowen arriving and perhaps Dean Garner coming back from West Brom, which I hope is going to happen... We don't need a huge amount done to this squad, do we? I agree, and I know it sounds cliche to say, cliche to say this. Snodgrass coming back would be like a new signing because we missed him on that set pieces, and he was he was great for us. And prior to injury, he was also a container for him of the year, so he will be great when he turns. Diagana, as you mentioned, will come back and he'll do great because, as we mentioned in the previous podcast, he was fantastic on his loan spell at West Brom. So that's two wingers right there who will have an impact and. We mentioned previously that Moyes tends to be uh, a bit cautious with his subs, but now, providing we get the right personnel in the summer, he's going to have uh, so many options, especially considering next season you can uh, you can still um, uh, make five changes because that's that's that rule will still be in place next season. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. it will still be in place next season. So, providing we get recruitment right, oh, I mean, it could really be a promising season for West Ham next year. It is quite exciting, but, you know, I always feel excited in the summer. Um, more more often than not, I'm proved wrong. I think I predicted last season when I was asked where we'd finish, I think I said that I thought we would win the league. I think I, I, think I went a bit bananas in the summer heat after we signed Haller and Four Nows, who I have to admit, until we signed them, I'd never really heard of either of them. <laughs> But I get swept up in it all, Rashane. And I was like, yeah, I think we're definitely going to win the league. I mean, if Leicester could do it, then so can we with this squad. But it didn't turn out that way. Um, but I do feel positive. I, I do feel happy about David Moyes staying on. I think that the West Ham fans going around moaning, I would just like to know who they think we should have 
and what they think that, that the alternative options are and, and, and what we could do. I think realistically, I would love to see us retain Moyes, make a couple of additions, clear out the deadwood and aspire towards a, a top 10 finish. 10th place would do me next year. What about you? I agree. For 12th. That would be a, a, a big improvement from uh, from last season. And again, to take Cup serious and at least have a good challenge. I mean, I, ha- I have a nice suit in my wardrobe. I'd love to wear it to Wembley uh, next season. <laughs> like, well, me and you would love to wear a nice suit to Wembley. We'll so go that, together, uh, mate. I'm, I'm banking on you to get me a ticket. <laughs> yeah. I'll sort you out and I'll also sort our producer as well so that's the three of us three of us confirmed yeah. so yeah Lovely. that'll be great for West Ham and yeah more more improvement of senior more young players get a chance and yeah and also um, it hasn't been confirmed yet I'm trying to get more info but it'll be great if Paul Nevlin and Kevin Nolan could stay on as first team coach next season because they've been great additions well were they just signed until the end of the season on their initial yeah. contracts yeah right, until the end okay. of the season so yeah I'm going to try and find out if they'll be part of the first team coach but things have been going well Moyes likes working with them Moyes enjoys working with them big time and just watching them from like, observing them from the press box yeah. I can yeah, see yeah. He, he picks on uh, Paul Nevin's advice Kevin Owen is great in terms of like motivating players before they come yeah. on the pitch yeah, so, yeah you see a lot of that but it puts confidence in me seeing those lads Nolan in particular, knowing what kind of a leader he was when he was our captain, seeing him geeing the players up, giving them bits of advice. He's, he's a bloke who you like to have in the trenches with you, as you say. And, and him and Moyes, you know, you've suddenly got fist-clenched, positive, aggressive coaching staff there on the touchline, and, and it's really nice to see. 100% and obviously as, as we were like comparing the contrast between Pellegrini and Moyes <laughs> Pellegrini's first team coaches I rarely saw them get off the bench <laughs> to say yeah. anything to players you know what I mean? so, I really... I know, looking back it was like they were really having the piss this lot weren't they <laughs> yeah. uh, they've rocked up from China they're all millionaires already and they thought God, oh, what a lovely little holiday couple of years at this place called West Ham I'd never heard of the club before but they're paying us silly money we'll sit here light a cigar sign Felipe Anderson from that and hope for the best. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's, that's, their, that's their pension sorted. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, good luck to them. Uh, I'd have done the same if I was in their position, probably. <laughs> anyway, uh, I guess that's um, that's it for this week. Rashane, a pleasure as always. We'll be back over the summer. Keep an eye out because we'll be giving you updates on the transfer window. Rashane has always got the inside track on the biggest story, so we'll be back to discuss that. And loads more. Stay in touch with us on Twitter at Delaneyman and at Rashane Sport. Uh, until next time, ladies and gents, come on you irons and remember there's only one Samasia Boo.